Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on, church. Give it up. Give it up. I really tried to hold my tears back this time because this morning it had me wrecked, but it still got me again. This song right here, y'all, you thought I was to die for. Come on. You thought I was to die for. Come on, church. So I could be free. Thank you, Jesus. Who wants to be free in here? Who wants to be free in here? I know where I was going. I know where I was. I know what I was. Do you? You remember? Do you remember? Act like you remember. Come on, church. Can y'all sing it one more time? Just one more time. You thought I was worth saving. So you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping. So you cleaned me up inside. You thought I was to die for. You thought I was to die for. You thought I was to die for. Come on, church. Come on, church. Sing it. You thought. You thought. You thought I was to die for. You thought, you thought, you thought I was to die for. One more time. Hallelujah. You thought I was to die for. So you sacrificed your life so I can be free. Are you grateful, church? Hallelujah. Are you thankful, church? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for this day, my God. Thank you for this time together, my God. Thank you for allowing us to have yes, another Lord. day, my God, to come yes. into your house to worship you, to, Father, praise you, to give you our best, my God. We just thank you for this time together, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would take our minds captive, my God, and make it obedient to your word, my God. I pray, Father, that you would, Father, soften our hearts, my God, open our ears, my God. I pray, Father, that you would do a work today, my God. I pray that you would use me in a mighty way, my God, that you would remove fear, Father, that you would remove anything, nervousness from me, my God, and that I would fall back, my God, and that you would be glorified today, Lord. Lord, we thank you today, and we pray this in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, all right, all right. All right, good morning, church. This is the... Well, first, let me dismiss the core kids. Thank you, sister. So uh, core kids are dismissed now to go to their class. No. Yeah. Third grade, what? No, everybody, all the kids are. Everybody could go. Yeah. No, not you, not you. No, no, no. You, you. 
Adults stay. All right. Uh, sermon notes. If you don't receive a sermon note, raise your hand and uh, the ushers will get to you real quick. While they pass it out, let me introduce myself. My name is Juan Arce, or Arce, as my mom would say. Is my mom here? No, good. Juan Arce, I am the youth minister here at uh, Core Faith Church. Um, and every year around the same time, during summertime, what we do is we do a youth takeover. Usually, you know, it's called the Summer Jam. Usually we have a whole weekend of, uh, sometimes we have artists, we have a lock-in and so on. Um, so... This is the youth takeover. It's where the youth take over the service. Give it up. Give it up for the youth. All right. And usually I am really good at delegating this portion of the service to where I'm really good at finding someone to preach. This time around, Bishop wasn't having it. And he was like, no, you, you, you're, you're going to bring a word. I said, but Bishop, I know somebody. I know somebody that's got some fire that wants to share no, no, it's on you. I was like, all right. So here I am. Keep me in prayer as I share with you guys. Um, and also, give it up for the young people, guys. These youth are, they're, they're amazing. Um, I, I really, really got a heart for the youth, man. I really want to, you know, throughout the Bible, we see how God used young people to just flip this world upside down. And that's what I would like to see with the young people of the church is for them to really grab a hold of their calling and, and, and their identity in Christ and wreck this world for his glory. So um, with that being said, um, we're going to be reading out of 2 Timothy today. And if you could uh, pull out your Bibles, it's going to be 2 Timothy chapter 3. Right, you find that um, there's a huge problem in the church nowadays, especially within our young people. We have been conditioned by this world to be tolerant, to be politically correct, and hypersensitive of people's feelings, especially when it comes to personal lifestyle choices. Um, it, it's crazy, the whole, you know, um, politically correct and being soft on people, especially in the church. Uh, we're, we're not we're not willing to have these tough conversations anymore to where we call people out on their sin. We continue to let them live a sinful lifestyle for the sake of unity or for the sake of peace. And in the Bible, we don't see that. We see sin being confronted all the time and confronted in love. Um, you know, it's, it, it's tough already to confront someone. And that's why it's very important to when you do confront somebody to confront them in love step to them and say, look, brother, sister, I love you. I love you, and, and I just want to share this with you, you know, and let God do what he's going to do, you know. You just bring the correction, and you pray, and you keep it moving. You keep him in your prayers, and, and, and allow God to, the Holy Spirit, to convict them of their sin, but we've been so tolerant to it to where we don't step up to them no more. We allow it to happen. Uh, the culture has the culture wave has even slipped into the church, uh, especially with the youth groups. Uh, if your youth group is not seeker friendly, 
pizza party, ice cream social, you know, you have one hour ice, icebreaker games, two minutes in prayer, five minute Bible study, and then you end by a 45 minute fellowship time and you got five minutes of Bible study. So it was all, you know, let's hang out, let's have ice cream together, let's, you know, have pizza together, let's play games, but there was no word. I mean, you took five minutes to, to, to share the gospel, to share the word of God, and the whole time you had these young people just playing games, you know, and, and, and if your youth group is... It, it, it's about Christ and lifting up Christ, then it, 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 will, it will not grow. It will stay small. So I came to the conclusion that, like, that's cool that these churches have these rooms full of youth, but what ends up happening is these youth don't have a real relationship with Christ to where now when they get into uh, young adults or an adulthood, they leave the church because... What, what needs to happen is Christ needs to be elevated. Christ needs to be the reason why they're there and not the, the fun and games, not the, the entertainment because entertainment is not going to keep them because once they're done being entertained, guess what happens? They're leaving. So God is who keeps us. God is the one who needs to be lifted up and made number one, not the ice cream socials, not the Xbox giveaways. You know, because once they get that Xbox, guess what? They're not coming back, right? So that's not going to keep them. The problem that, that, that I see is that the bar has been set low and our expectations for the youth even lower. Parents and adults have not been good examples of the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's where it starts. It starts by us parents and adults showing the power of God in our lives to our young people. Because they don't see the power of God in our life. They're looking at us like we're crazy. You know, they, we over here, hallelujah, praise the Lord Sunday. Praise the Lord on Wednesday or hallelujah during the small group. But then what happened throughout the week? What happened to that power that we speak of? How come it hasn't changed the way you, you, you talk, the entertainment that you, that you watch, the stuff that you listen to? Because it should have changed you. Because when you, when you have an encounter with this God, Holy God, amazing God, right? You can't stay the same. You can't, you know, the Bible says, come as you are, right? Cool, come as you are, but you can't stay the way you are. It's impossible to stay the way you are if you're having this encounter with an almighty God. It's impossible, right? So the bar has to be set higher. We have to expect more from our children. And you'll be surprised the response that you get from, from the youth. If you high up that bar or you expect more from them, they will step up. The reason they don't step up is because you expect them at 15, 16 to wild out a little bit. You expect them to be disrespectful or you expect them to not be obedient and you, you're like, okay, well, they're 16, 15. No, that's not how it should be. You should check your children because if you don't check them as they continue to grow, guess what? The, the, their lack of respect for your authority will lead them to a lack of respect of the authority in schools, lack of respect to the authority in the world with, with the officers or, or, or police officers or whoever. So they're steady living a life of not respecting authority, right? So it starts at home. So, so the bar has to be raised. Parents and adults, we have to be good examples of the gospel in our lives. 
We have not been diligent in our training and godliness. We have allowed the culture to infiltrate our homes and our churches. So in this portion of scripture, we will see that Paul warns Timothy of the opposition he's about to face. So if you're at 2 Timothy chapter 3, we'll start reading. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. Verse 10, you have, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecution and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and whom and how from a child you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be completely equipped for every good work. So the first point I have is having an appearance of godliness, but denying its power of. And we see prior to that, we see a list of, um, of traits, a big list of traits. Starting in verse 2, we'll see that the first trait is all about selfishness. Or the first four traits that we see is all about selfishness. It says lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, and arrogant. This generation that we live in is the most narcissistic generation has ever been on this planet, right? It's all about them. Like, we see it, even like technology, man. Like, you could literally, you have a page that's all about you. Nothing but selfies. <laughs> Nothing but selfies. It's, and it's crazy because this selfishness is the sewer pipe where all the garbage runs through, right? That's where it all starts, right? right. Is, is this selfishness is that sewer pipe where all the griminess just runs through. And that's, that right there is the beginning, is the selfishness. Um, so lovers of self become lovers of money because all they want is money. They want to, you know, bling, bling and blow up everywhere. They're boastful because it's all about them. You know, I got this, I got that. You know, here's a picture of my whatever car or whatever. 
and they're arrogant. Nobody can tell an arrogant person nothing. They run this. It's, it's all about them. And this is the world that we live in. This is what the culture pushes. The culture pushes you to be this way. And the music and everything that, that, that just surrounds us is, is, is just all about being selfish. The next two are socially destructive behaviors. Um, we see abusive and disobedient to their parents. So abusive is in words or in actions, and we see that a lot. We see, we know that, the, the, what, what does the Bible teach about the power of the tongue? It gives life or death, right? And we see how, like, especially the church, we, we forgot that, man, our words are powerful. They will either build someone up or it will straight tear someone down, right? So we have to be mindful of what we speak, the words that we use, and this is a big one for the youth, disobedient to their parents. Children who are rebellious with their parents will continue in their rebellion as they get older. And again, unless you check them, your child will take that rebellion from, from, from a little kid going to elementary school because you didn't check him and you allowed him to disrespect you. He's going to go into elementary school disrespecting his teachers. Then he's going to go into middle school to disrespect the dean. Then he's going to get into high school and be disrespectful to everybody, and it's because you did not check them. Because we know that your child's character is shaped in the home, correct? So if you're not willing to sit down and shape your child's character and be diligent and mindful, and some of us that um, send our kids off to school, we have, to, we have double duty because we have to brainwash them when they get home because of the culture and the way everything is. You have to take time, sit with your child, ask them how was the day, how was school, and, you know, and, and start, man, you heard that? <laughs> and start brainwashing them because that's what's happening in their school. Let me take a sip. <clears throat> so I was, man, during praise and worship, man, I swear I could sing, y'all. Because I'd be sitting there, and I'd be like, I'll be singing with y'all. Y'all better be happy that I was in the front because if I was in the back, y'all probably would have heard me. And now my voice is like, I'm never singing. If I have to preach again, I will be lip singing. All right. <clears throat> my daughter thinks I can sing, right? That's about it. But my wife be like, uh. All right, then we move on. Um, to this list of traits that we see. So we got lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents. Now we are going, there's four uns. So what I mean by that is that there is a grace that is missing. So we got ungrateful. So if they're ungrateful, what is missing is gratitude. Parents, we know about the, some kids are super ungrateful, right? You give them something like, I didn't want that. Why'd you give me that? It was supposed to be blue. Ungrateful? Like, just say thank you. How about that? How about that? So, <laughs> ungrateful, missing gratitude. Unholy, what is missing is holiness. Unloving, it's missing love. And unforgiving, it is missing forgiveness. See, some evils are the deprivation of good. Most people are not going out planning to do evil. Right? We, you know, most people don't get up and like, man, I'm going to be super unholy today. 
you know, or they don't get up and say, man, you know what, man, I'm going to be so unloving today. People don't get up doing that, right? But on the flip side, we don't get up thinking, I'm going to be super loving today, right? We don't get up saying, man, you know what, I'm going to be, I'm going to be holy, Captain Holy today. You know what I'm saying? We don't, we don't do that. Uh, we don't get up and be like, man, I'm going to be so unforgiving today, man. If someone, you know, comes and smacks me in my grill, I'm going to be like, man, I forgive you. You know, we don't, we, don't, we don't wake up wanting to do those things either. So some evils are the, depri- are the deprivation of good. Uh, true marks of, uh, there's some marks of a true Christian that we'll see in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23. And I'll read it for you. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So these are the marks of a true Christian. So if you're a believer and you're a man or woman of God, you should be marked by these traits, not the other traits that we see, not the abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. Those traits do not fit a man or a woman of God that claims they love God. But these do, right? So then continue on to the, uh, on the list. Then we have eight that reflect speech, behavior, and conduct. The next one is slanderous. You know them slanderous people always have something negative to say about somebody. Always hating, throwing shade. You know them combos that you sit there and these people are just, man, why are you always talking trash about somebody? You know, you just got to get away from them people. So um, the, the next one is without self-control. And that's a big one because we see that as a fruit of the spirit is self-control. These are totally people that are so like out of control that nothing matters to them. Brutal. Uh, I, I looked it up in the dictionary because I was like, brutal, what, what is it? And it's s- savage, wicked, like straight wicked or savage, someone that is grimy. Um, the next one is not lovers of, of the good. So these are people that their appetite is for everything that is not good, everything that op- opposes good, they want, right? So, and you see it, man, like the music that they listen to it's not good it's always talking about trash or drugs or you know talking bad about women and and it it always that is what they that's what their appetite is for uh the movie selections that they make it bad movie selections it's all about you know murder or blood everywhere or you know um sex and violence is that's what they appetite for um the way they speak, you know, like, come on, Christian, you know doggone well you should not be cursing. You know, like, because if you call yourself a Christian and you, and I'm not going to act like I'm perfect in this area, but that's not my, that's not what I, how I speak. That's not how you're supposed to speak. We, we are striving to better ourselves because if I call myself a Christian and I'm walking around and my daughter, my son hear me come out my mouth crazy, they're going to be like, whoa, pops, what, what happened? Christian, they may not say it because they're not crazy, but they're thinking it, right? They'd be like, what's up, Christian? Just like that. That's exactly what they're thinking, right? So you have to check yourself because you're an example to your children. So the way you speak has to be good. The movie selections have to be good. The music that you're thumping in your car, like you can't roll up to church and just change the station after listening to little Uzi Vert. That's not what it is, 
All right, don't, don't listen to that dude because he's crazy. All right, or see, I got some of these you saying, dang. Yeah, or, or, or some other rappers out there that, that you know, if you can't thump that in here, come on now. What makes you think that you could pump that outside? Because we get it twisted like, oh, the church, the church. No, bro, you the church, right? It's not the building. You the church. So you shouldn't be thumping that anyway, right? So little Uzi Vert, got to go. And Fetty Wap, whoever, I don't know. All right, so the next on the list of traits is treacherous. These are people that are traitors, disloyal, faithless. Then you have rash. They don't care about the consequences. You know when you make a rash decision, you're really not thinking about what's going to be the consequence, right? So these people are rash. They are conceited, prideful, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. These are these YOLOs, these YOLO people that you only live once. No, don't live like that because... Yeah, the Bible says sin is pleasurable for the season, but after that, what happens? It catches up, right? So then Paul kind of finalizes this list by saying, uh, by describing these people as having a form of godliness, but denying its power. So that's huge because, and, and, and the analogy that, I, that, that came to my attention with this one was like, me and my wife were looking for plants to put up in the house. I don't like real plants because they bring bugs, right? So I'm like, babe, there's some really nice fake plants that you could bring into the home, right? And they're nice and so fake. I mean, to the point where you have to actually touch these plants to make sure that they were like, yo, this is fake. Look into some dirt, and it's fake. There's some Christian folks that you have to go up to them and be like, you know, because they know the lingo, right? They're up in here praising God, right? They, yep, they're in your connect group, right? Acting all, you know, holy and, and always sharing. And yes, brother, not a core faith, all right? But they, 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 they be some here. No. Listen, listen, listen. But if there is some here, I guarantee you, you've been stepped to because that's the one thing about core faith because we ain't perfect. Nobody, nowhere's perfect. But you have leadership that really do love you and that don't mind no friction, that will step to you and say, Brother Juan, you know, you were acting kind of crazy, a little shady. You know, you got to, you know, repent, forgive. So, and it's, and, and it's that, I'm glad you said that because this list here, when we think about this list, it was, for me, I was like, man, that's right, man. We are in the last days because I see that in the schools. I see that on the world. But he's talking about the church, right? He's not talking about the world, right? So, so he's talking about us, including core faith, because Paul is writing to the church, right? So he's saying, look, this is the list. And he's saying, not that we're not going to struggle with these things, Right, because we are, because I know I struggle with some of the, the, these these points, but I don't live in them. You know, I don't allow them to be part of me. So, and, and one of the biggest things for me is forgiving. All right, I, I have I have problems forgiving because I, I need Jesus. That's why. Bottom line, right? that's it. That's it. Because I need Jesus. Right. So, I have trouble forgiving. So I need to repent. I need to, you know, just go to God with my issues. And ask him to give me the strength to forgive. 
right? And that's what we need to do with, throughout this whole list. So to get to my first point is uh, all, that was uh, my second point now. My second point is all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And this is more for, you know, the youth. Because if you, that dude in school, or that, that, that chick in school that's, you know, the popular, or everybody wants to hang with you, everybody wants to be your bestie, you might want to check yourself, especially if, you know, like, the, your peoples are not Christian. You know what I'm saying? So if you don't have no friction with the world, if there's no, you know, if the world just accepts you and, and got love for you, then you might want to check if you are really walking with the Lord. Because if you are being a light in these dark areas, the darkness is like roaches. They, they're supposed to be running away from you, right? They're supposed to be, so you turn on the light, you know the roaches scatter, right? So that's what should happen to you when you walk in as being the light. You walk into a room that's dark or the darkness, the world. People ain't supposed to crowd you. They're supposed to be like, man, he's going to kill my high. He's going to talk about Jesus. He's going to be bringing the Bible into this thing, and I, I'm not trying to hear it. So if these things are not happening in your schools or wherever you are in your workplace, then you might want to, like, really, really consider because the Bible is clear when it says that we will be persecuted because we are believers, because we follow Christ, because we're Christ-like, because we're not like this world. So in John chapter 15, verse 18 says, <clears throat> if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, then the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So the world is not supposed to embrace you. The world, you're supposed to be in opposition. The world is supposed to hate you. So... That's a good way of seeing where you're at as far as walking with, with, with the Lord. Matthew chapter 5 verse 10 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, not because of being jerks, not because of being stuck up, but because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they prosecuted, they persecuted the prophets, you, the prophets who were before you, you will also be persecuted. And then the last uh, portion of scripture that we all should know is out of James chapter 1, verse 2 and 4. So let's see if y'all know James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. Ready? Consider it, brother, I'm sorry, we did this. All right, once again, my brethren, right on, give yourself a hand, that was good, that was good. See, I, I got the ESV version and you, what is it, New King, New King James Version. So uh, it says, the version I was reading, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. 
this is good because throughout life, y'all think it gets easier, and it doesn't. You know, young people, you know that whole little thing, I'll wait to serve Jesus when I'm older. Why? It's not going to get easier. It gets harder. It gets worse. There's more temptations, more things to worry about. So now, serve Christ where you're young, the Bible says. Find him at your youth so you could get to know him, be, you know, in his presence, be changed, transformed to where as you grow, as you get older, life won't be as, and I'm not saying that life won't be crazy, but you have someone that's going to be with you forever that will never leave you nor forsake you no matter what you go through, right? And, and trust, that is not just a, a Christian thing, man. If you, some adults here, we all know and can testify that if it wasn't for God being with us in that situation we were in, I don't know. We'd be, we'd be done. We'd be done. We'd be crazy. We'd be crazy, dead, or in jail or something because life gets ugly. And it's God who is with you when these ugly times that help you get through these ugly times, that help you persevere. So it does not get easier, young people. Now, uh, my last point is all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So the Bible is profitable for teaching, which is telling me things I did not know before. So that's what the Bible's good, to teach us things that we did not know before. It is also profitable for reproof. Reproof is getting in my face about the things I say I believe, but don't live them out. So the Bible will do that. Man, read your Bible, read your Bible. I'm telling you, it will get in your face. When, when you act like you're believing in something, but you're not walking it, man, especially the writings of Paul, read those, and, and you'll be like, man, man, this is crazy. I need to repent. Uh, so it's good for reproof. Get it in your face about the things you say you believe, but you don't live them out. The Bible is profitable for correction, exposing my messed up ways of thinking and behaving. So it exposes my messed up ways of thinking and behaving, and it's profitable for training in righteousness. Showing me a new way to live for his glory. All right? So this is the things that the Bible are good for. So young people, if you don't have a relationship with your Bible, your Bible, read it. Knock the dust off of it. You know, take the Uzi CD off of it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and open it and put this on top of the Uzi vert. All right? And, and read your word because... It does all these things. It teaches you things that you didn't know. It, it reproves you. It gets in your face about the things you say you believe, but you really ain't living. It corrects you, exposing your messed up ways of thinking, and trains you to live a new way for his glory. Amen. So in closing, the root of this problem is an identity issue. We just did an identity, um, um, a, a whole curriculum on identity. Uh, and we just finished and, and, and it was so eye-opening because a lot of us put our identity in our accomplishments and the things we've done and the things that we do, you know, uh, and a whole bunch of things that are irrelevant that have nothing to do with what's real, your true identity. So our identity needs to be rooted in the gospel. God created us as image bearers who rebelled against him, separating, we separate ourselves from him by our sin. We are all rebels, and our, sin, and our sin separates us from God. So we all, all need God. We all are, have rebelled against him. We all have stepped 
away from him, turned our back to him, and done whatever we wanted to do, right? But there is hope. The only hope that we have is putting our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. That is the only hope that we have because I don't know if you've ever tried to stop something that you know was wrong, that you were, say, addicted to. You, you couldn't do it. I tried it. I used to be addicted to smoking cigarettes and weed. And there were plenty of times where I was, I was like, all right, I'm two weeks strong not smoking weed. That third week, my wife was sending me to go pick up some weed because my attitude was jacked up. My wife was like, bro, do not come into this place because you acting crazy. Go get high and then come back. Because I tried it. I had a bad attitude. I couldn't, I couldn't knock it. I couldn't do it. Right? And in the same way, it's, it's, it's with all kinds of things, whether it is, you know, whatever choices that, 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 that you struggle with, whether, whether it's listening to bad music or watching bad stuff or porn or anything, you cannot do this on your own. You need the power of God to help you. Which this is the message, uh, the, the title of the message is powerless, is that a lot of Christians are walking around powerless, right? Powerless because we don't tap in. We, we, we have a form of godliness, but we ignore the power of the gospel in our life that will transform us. And how do we do that? We believe that Christ is, is the Lord. We believe that, that he was crucified for our sins, right? We believe that God resurrected him from the dead we confess our sins we repent repentance recognize that you are sinful recognize that that there is nothing in you that is righteous there's nothing that you could do to 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 fix yourself so our true identity can only be found in one in the one who created us Jesus came on a rescue mission to die in our place to enable us to make a U-turn and get on a different path. One in which we receive a new identity from sinner and enemy of God to saint and child of God. As we embrace the cross as the only remedy for our sins and Jesus as our only hope of salvation by believing in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead and confessing that Jesus is Lord, repenting of our sins, calling upon him for salvation, we are filled with the Holy Spirit and receive the power of God that takes us from the place of powerless to powerful. My challenge, youth, church, my challenge is that you make this summer the most powerful ever. Live in full surrender to the will of God, in full submission to the word of God, and in full dependence of the spirit of God. Let us pray. Thank you, Father, for this time, my God. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for allowing me to share this word, my God, to your people, Lord. I give you all the glory. I give you all the praise. And I just ask, Father, that you would allow us, Father, give us the ability and the strength, Father, to live out this word, my God. That we just don't talk about it, my God, but that we be about it, my God. That we be about this life, my God, that is in Christ Jesus representing you wherever we go, that we would be ambassadors of you, my God, that we would allow this power, this transforming, this transforming power to, to wreck our lives, my God, 
to change us, my God, to remove these things in our, in our hearts and in our life, my God, that, that are, are, are destroying us slowly, my God. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would guide us, lead us, my God. I pray if anybody does not know you here, my God, I pray, Father, that you would soften their hearts, my God. And I know this, that, that, that when you call someone out of darkness, it's a wave of events, my God, that take place in their life, my God. I pray, Father, that we would recognize these wave of events, my God, that we would see that there is no hope, that we've looked back, we've looked up, we've looked down, and, and nothing around us could save us, my God, but that we would just drop to our knees and ask you, Father, to give us that hand that we need, my God, that we would repent, my God, and that we would put our trust in you. Father, we love you, and we thank you, my God, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.